Yeah, Nolan? This is A&M Studios in Hollywood, California. On the evening of January 28th, along with several other people, I was fortunate to be here and to witness an extraordinary event. 45 of the most remarkable singers in American popular music had come together to record a special song and make a special commitment. For many of us watching that night, part of the thrill was seeing so many diverse artists working together so compatibly yes. with serious yes. purpose, yes, but with a sense of humor. And Were they really spirit. remarkable? Were they sense really? Humor. After all, how often <laughs> have any of us had a chance to see genuine legends like Ray Charles, I don't know Bob if you've Dylan, seen Michael Jackson, this clip, Lionel Richie, Diana Ross, Tina Turner, Bruce... She's wearing like these... Um, it's Jane Fonda. I'm not sure why, but... Um, she's wearing these like leather pants. They're like sort of golden brown leather pants. And uh, she's not wearing a one piece leotard. That's all I think about. When I think about Jane Fonda. I thought that was Bo Derek. No, no, no. The workout Jane Fonda. Did the oh, workout the Jane Fonda workout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that was her. Uh, that was what really put her on the map. Wasn't it? Leg warmers. Yeah. By the way, I'm not sure I'm ready to. I'm not sure we're on speaking terms yet. Wait a minute. I was going to thwart the show with something else. I was going to take on your role today and bring up something that I wanted to ask you about. Oh, so now, really? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm going in more of a fantasy football direction. Oh, okay. Well, well mine does have to do with football. Can I, can we do mine first? Well, let's just do yours. Cause I don't even want to talk about the fantasy football thing. It's You're too, it's happy. too, Look, here's the headline. Nubs joined. I've had this league for a few years. Nubs joined it two years ago. Cause you know, I was like, yeah, you wanted to be a part of a league and it was, you know, we got a good league and he'd be a good, you know, good fit. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's, let's toss, let's toss nubs in there. Remember, cause this is going to piss you off more. I used uh, to bitch about fantasy football. All the oh time. yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So like 10 years ago, nubs was like, fantasy football, stupid. And, uh, you know, it screws wait, up the way I watch the game. Screws up the way I watch the game. It's a waste of time. And it's like, all right, whatever. You know, you know how nubs can be. The audience at this point knows how nubs can be every so often, you know, like kind of too, too, too cool for something, you know, and he was definitely too cool for fantasy football, but then that changed, that changed. And it was like, all right, let's have him join our league. It'll be fun. And you know, whatever. Well, the rat bastard has won it twice in a row, you know, and then we played each other this weekend, like yesterday upon the taping of this and he's going to win. And it's, really irritating why so, you you if i was gonna lose to anybody in this league i'd want it to be you i'd be happy for you see that's a really kind thing to say but it's so easy to say after you've won it twice in a row and then you just got done beating me in in here in week four or whatever well it's, and it's beat a, you in the finals both years or what, one of the two years see like so right? so you know it, that's really easy to say you can be the good guy right now right but I also had a quarterback who 
you know, basically died on the football field in like, right. in like the according to the media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought so too at first, but I think you're going to bring up something to lift my football spirits back up. So, you know, at least if I, if I'm anticipating this correctly, I was going to interrupt you addressing the Jayhawk in the room. I want to address the Jayhawk in the room to your five and oh, yeah. After all the years that you've put up now, you had a couple of good years there in the two thousands. We all, we all know that, but right. You have been through hell yeah. with your football program. Yeah. And now dude, you're five and oh, now I don't like ESPN game day. It's just gotten too like, I don't know. Yeah. It's me. politically correct. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, I want to hear about football and yeah. Game day, not, you know. Yeah. But it is undoubtedly Plus, cool. Speaking of dead guys, how do they still have Lee Corso sitting up it's, there? Like, I, <laughs> geez, it's, it's disgraceful. Right. So game day is headed to Lawrence, Kansas know. this weekend. And T, you guys are five and oh, you're going to make I a bowl know. game. We, we talk all off season about what our hopes and wishes are for our schools. And you said, if we could just make a bowl, I would yeah. be. So happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The expectations are are very low for KU football. And I got to say, like, I've like my buds used to like laugh at me because like I was so into it and hopeful for the football part. Because, I mean, obviously, basketball is amazing at our school. And like there was one game when I was I was in college and we played Kansas State. And it was kind of raining. And we are down 30 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. This is a true story. And I was there with like 10 other people. And I just remember thinking like, am I, you know, is this, is this a way, like, am I just torturing myself? It's almost like being a Lions fan, right? And you can sympathize with this. It's like, should I be doing this? Should I just move on? Right. But it makes it, and this is why I would say, just stick with the Lions and stick with, you know, any of you others out there that are just, passionate about your sorry ass team it does make it that much better you know when when you're good because now we got all these people jumping on the bandwagon and that's great i'm all for it jump on but you know it's pretty cool when you uh fought for it from the beginning but hey we could still screw it up dude you know in no. 2009 we we started five and oh and then lost seven straight didn't go to a bull so you're not gonna lose seven straight but you're probably not gonna be 12 and oh in the playoff but your goal was to make a bowl. Oh yeah. And you know what? You're going to make a bowl. Well, one more to go, but uh, yeah, one uh, more the game, go. the game day thing's pretty amazing. And yeah, that does make up for that. And the chiefs beat the crap out of Tom Brady last night. You know, those things, I guess, make up for the fantasy football. How about the fact that here's congratulations, won a, won a national title in basketball this past. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's not get to woe is you here. Jesus. Well, it's really just fantasy football and, and yeah. you, you're the the main problem, but you know, the show must go on. Listen, you know? it's all luck. It's, it's all luck. Fantasy football. No, it's, you know what? I'm starting to think of that. It's not, I mean, you, you, I, I believe you do have managerial skill. I mean, at some point you have to say it, you're, just, you're undefeated. You're the only undefeated team this year. You've won the last two years. So this can't just be, Hey, just listen, luck. at some point, the ball bounces the other way. I don't think it's just luck. It's just luck. Just yeah. luck. Man. So welcome to two twins and an A-side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think um, 
we've sort of talked about this before of the idea of doing an episode about a song and kind of bounced around some things and thought maybe at some point it'd be fun. And and this is episode 80, by the way, which is cool. You know, we thought for episode 80, let's, uh, let's give it a go. Now we chose tonight's selection as kind of the first go at this, but, uh, Nubs, I'll be honest, it was a tough choice. I was either choosing between tonight's selection or this tune. (laughs) John Tesh's round ball rock. The best sports team of all time? Uh, You think so? I mean, you know, it's getting a lot of love is the Amazon Thursday night football theme. Yeah. Do, Do you like it? What are they? What are they playing? It's brand know. new because they just started. Oh, it's like from scratch. It's an original composition. Oh, let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah. In the meantime, I'll tell you this: my youngest daughter is not a big sports fan, but she all day on Sunday during football season, all she talks about is that she's waiting all day for Sunday night. Yeah. And she gets her pom poms. And stands in front of the TV during the Carrie Underwood intro to Sunday Night Football. This is Beaks. Jumps, yeah, and jumps oh, up and down. Beaks, who you know, joined the show during the Kate Bush episode. Yeah, and is amazing. Uh, that's hilarious. So she, so that's her moment. Yeah, she stands there. She jumps up and down with her pom poms, and she dances along with Carrie Underwood's, you know, Sunday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just annoyed that you haven't sent a video of this. Here, here's the uh, Amazon yeah. thing. this yes uh i mean it's it's fine but it's no this maybe the whole episode like anytime you say something like like anytime (laughs) you say something like cool or interesting i'm just gonna i'm just gonna run it Kind of like, oh, Nubs like made a really good point about the the history of this song. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I love it. I you know, speaking great. of, we won that game the other day. We beat Iowa State. Very, very ugly, nasty football game. And like, people were almost like, it was like, wow, that was really ugly. It was like we just beat Iowa State. Like, yeah. we're five and zero. Oh. Like everyone, yeah. everyone, there were people that were kind of like almost like bummed that we didn't play like a perfect game. And meanwhile, I was like this. That's what you I know, was doing. I, I, it's so funny you say that. Cause I was, I was thinking the exact same thing this morning. Cause I was listening to all of the Monday Buckeye podcasts, you know, where they wrap up the game. And the number one complaint was like, the game was boring. Right. And it's like, last time I checked, these games are not here to entertain us. And that's what's happening. That, your point right. you're making is important because now everybody just thinks like that football is, especially college football is like here just for our own entertainment value. It's like, no, I was heavily entertained by watching Mayan Williams, like run five touchdowns and gash the Rutgers defense. That's entertaining. Like, but if you don't throw for a long touchdown, then I, yeah. it's just, it's become really weird that like the way the win looks, is like yeah. more important than the win, 
you know, shut well, up. I'll say this next week we play TCU at home. I mean, if TCU turns it over eight times, misses six field goals, throws four interceptions for touchdowns and we win by a point, I'm going to be thrilled. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, listen, this is not two twins and a and a sporting rant, you know. <laughs> can I it's, can I tell you real quick though? I just do want to say, can I share with you my favorite sports theme? Because sure. it's actually not John Tesh. Pull up CBS Sports College Football. It's the best. And the Big Ten is gonna be playing games at CBS starting next year. Right. I think it's the best sports theme in the history of TV sports. Theme. Really? Roll it. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's you're ready to play. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, that is a good one. They still run that, huh? Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, maybe we'll have to do an episode just all about sports themes and montage music, you know? <laughs> I mean, By the way, did you, ever hear, did you ever see the SNL skit with the John Tesh song where, uh, Sedacus is John Tesh and they got the guy singing along with it. And he's going, ba 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 basketball. Gimme, gimme, gimme the ball. Yeah, and, 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 the, and they're like, well, that's good, but let's try it without the singing, you know, and John <laughs> Tesh is pissed off, you know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty- that must happen when Saturday Night Live was still watching. Oh yeah. It. it was like 10 plus years ago when, before, you know, it got to be a, a hard watch or a non watch really. But yes, um, let's pivot. Let's pivot to uh, what we're here to talk about on two twins and an A side. And, and uh, you know, there's this expression that, you know, the kids have all these expressions these days and it's hard to keep track with what they are and what they mean. You know, they hear them on YouTube and then they say them and you're like, where the hell did you hear that? And what does it mean? And, and one of them is hold my beer. You know, you know that one? It's like, it's like, um, I'm about to outdo what you just did or outpace what you just did or or one up what you just said or whatever, you know, hold my beer. And, and we are the world is like the ultimate hold my beer project. If you think about it, because it sort of stemmed from something that preceded it in another land across the pond and typical America F. Yeah. Like, all right, well, we can do that way better. Here we go. See, here's where uh, I got to go jump in and go because you just made a great point. I don't have the trigger here, but good point. Right. Right. But hey, before we hold anybody's beer, why don't we take it round and round, buddy? Nubs, you know, we got to get an album sort of theme into this episode somehow, right? Because this is really a uh, more of a, what is this, a 45? Was this a 12 inch 45? Whatever it was. I'm sure it was on seven inch and 12 inch. Oh, there you go. I'm sure, I'm sure there was, I'm sure you have both, by the way, in all (laughs) different different formats. Since we're doing a song today, we got to get some albums in there. What have you been listening to, buddy? Well, last week I went and saw a band that I think, might be the greatest living live band in the world. Wow. And oh, you know, living, living, living live okay. band okay. in the world. All right. It's, it's not an obvious choice by any means, but I, I honestly think it might be 
the greatest live band in the world right now. And that band is Mashuga, who is just mind-blowing in terms of the way they pull off their incredibly complex metal music live. They, the sound is just remarkable. It, it's, I can't even describe how clean they sound. They play, unlike a lot of metal bands, they play everything at the right tempo. I mean, they're just, they're like perfect. They have amazing visuals, just really cool. So what's been running around for me, a healthy dose of Mashuga with the three studio albums, nothing, Obzin and the violent sleep of reason. Just those three have just been constant because Mashuga is one of those bands that when you see them live, you're just, then you're like addicted to them. And now it's all I want to listen to in the last week. So it's a very easy round around this week. Those three albums by the great Mashuga, who I've tried to get you into, I think seeing them live, it just, I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe it. They're so powerful and so I, good. I'd love to see them. I mean, they're great. I'd love to see them live, especially after that endorsement, you know, good Lord. Even if you're not in, into metal, yeah. you would appreciate their precision. You really yeah. would. Yeah. So, that well, is what is round and round for me. It's a little abridged. It's a 45 uh, version, 45 RPM version of today's round. And yeah, round that's, that's yeah. right. That's What's right. been spinning around for you, T? I've got two new releases and one not new. The, the, the two are the Afghan Wigs new record, How Do You Burn? Always good to get stuff from them. They're, they're great. Just huge fan of, I think what they do is so thoughtful, so interesting. It's like a street fight. But, you know, also with some classically trained elements, you know, it's a it's a it's a very neat kind of approach that that those guys have. Mars Volta. Do we do we think this is cool and interesting? Do we think it's kind of goofy? What do you think? So Mars Volta put out a brand new album and like all the songs are like three minutes long and there's sort of some electronic uh, elements and things. I mean, it's almost not Mars. Volta. I mean, it's hard when you you know, we did an episode on Francis the Mute and you know, kind of that, that golden age with John Theodore, Deloust and Francis and all that. It, it it was so unique and different. It's almost funny to have them put out an album that's a bunch of cuts. So, but is it also kind of cool and different? You know, I don't know. Having a hard time deciding. You know, these two, I just, so, so annoyed by them. First of all, this isn't even a commercial thing. These songs are not commercial. They're just weird and bad. I just, yeah. I don't get it, dude. I'm kind of well, done. I'm kind of done with them. Just over it. Yeah. Well, so. anyway, new album for the Mars Volta, which always interesting with those guys. The third is um, Hilly Michaels. The album is called Calling All Girls. Any idea what that is, Nubs? It's like zero. No, really? <laughs> never heard of it. Well, let me play you. This is track 10, which is a song called uh, Something on Your Mind. Let's see if you can spot this one. What is that? That is the theme to the scene in um Come on. Dilla, 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 in it smells my dinghy's bigger than your whole Yes, boat. in Caddyshack, the that's right. That's the right. seafood. Seafood. The seafood scene. Wow, you, scene. you tracked down that song. It's a song called Something on Your Mind by Hilly Michaels. Now Good for Hilly you. Michaels was the drummer of Sparks. 
You can hear a little sparks in there, oh, right? Now that now that makes sense. Yep. Yes. Yes, you and, can. And because I actually thought it might may have been a spark song, just the more I learned about that band and everything. But yeah, calling all girls. And uh it's a great album cover, too. I guess it's hilly, just sort of laying on a lawn chair. It's pretty, it's pretty is that cool. one of the it's got is one of the brothers playing the keyboard part in there? It sounds oh, like I, I think so. I mean, I think those guys be. appear yeah. all over the thing and yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hilly Michaels. Well, that's great. That's what's running around for me. Now, Hilly Michaels did not appear on We Are the World. Now, some would argue that he should have, should have been there. Maybe but, the only 80s artist that didn't. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. There were a couple of surprise faces, and there were also a couple of surprising omissions from the roster. And uh, and we'll get to it. In fact, why don't we just get to it right now with those Dirty Deets. You want some dirty deeds? Yeah. You want some dirty deeds? All right, buddy. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day. So what do you say we start giving? Huh? Was released on March 7th, 1985. It was recorded two months prior on January 28th, 1985. Not even two months. At... The AM Studios in LA. Now the recording started at 10:30 p.m. Nubs, do you know why? Because uh pop stars hate waking up early in the morning. This is true, but it's because it was the night of the American Music Awards. And everyone gathered afterwards, sort of incognito. So they, you know, this was uh pre-social media. This was back when the world was somewhat normal, right? And you could sort of keep some of these things under a hat. Well, they basically planned to have all the top musicians, the night of the American Music Awards, leave the um, award show. And instead of going out and celebrating and such, they were all to meet at the A&M studios and record this project that nobody was really kind of aware of. And so for, you know, they did an amazing job, really, of of being able to escort in all of these. I mean, these are the top musicians of the moment, clearly, uh, into this studio to record this project. And they basically recorded it all night. So it started at 1030 at night and it wrapped at about 8 a.m. So this was a this was an all night affair. There's a documentary. It's part of the, the Jane Fonda thing that we played at the intro that sort of captures everything. and. It's very funny, but it's also very interesting, you know, to think that these guys were still in their like outfits from the award show, you know, and they came in and and did this track. So they they did this mostly so no one knew they were there. Now these were the American Music Awards Lionel Richie hosted. Pretty big night for Lionel, seeing that he hosted the awards. This was the show where he won an obnoxious amount of awards as well. And he also was obviously the co-writer of this song. So, and I'll tell you, you watch this documentary and you see like, you see why Lionel Richie was successful. He's like in charge. He He's like kind of really the head coach of this whole operation. And it's actually pretty neat to watch, but it's kind of like, wow, like it was impressive. He hosted the award show, showed up to the studio, ran basically lead director even though Quincy Jones was technically the musical director, Lionel was the one really barking the orders for the most part in pulling off this session. Pretty amazing. Uh, the song was written by Lionel Richie and co-written by Michael Jackson. 
The uh, album version, or I guess the single version of this, was seven minutes and two seconds. And they were, they did a single version that was six minutes and 22 seconds, so 50 seconds less. I don't know why even bother, right? But uh, and I don't even know what the real difference between the two. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the single version just fades sooner. This was released on CBS Columbia Records and has since become the eighth top-selling physical single of all time at about 20 million copies. So, you know, clearly this thing was a big deal. Now, how does the hold my beer thing come into play? Well, this was really, you know, kind of a response to something that happened over in England called band aid, where they did uh, a little tune called, do they know it's Christmas? You know, feed the world. Let them know it's Christmas time. Yeah. Which was a midge ear from Ultravox was like the brainchild behind that. And of course, Bob Geldof. Bob Geldof, right. So, and that was a year before, that was in 1984. So Bob Geldof, you know, wanted to raise a bunch of money for the uh, famine taking place in Ethiopia. That's where Band-Aid and Live Aid and like, Comic relief was also a thing. It was, it was you mean whole, you mean Bob Geldof? We need the fucking money. <laughs> you know, well, you see that clip? Yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a funny Bob Geldof thing here. But okay, so so you know, I mean, before like Bob Geldof and all those guys that did the the Band Aid thing could even like sit down and have a smoke after, you know. Quincy Jones and and Lionel Richie and and Michael Jackson and this team had already kind of said, all right, look, we, we got to beat them. We got to we got to we got to make a bigger, better song that raises more money for starving kids. You know, it, it became this like weird competition thing. You know, I I, I suppose for a good cause. I don't know, but uh, by the way, uh, on on the Band Aid song, you got Phil Collins on drums, which you can tell when you listen to it, and uh, John Taylor on the bass, Duran Duran. So so you know. It was kind of like USA for Africa had to step up its game here because these were, uh, these were legit. Was Bob Geldof? I mean, was he a, I guess he was in the Boomtown Rats. He was sort of a musician, right? I mean, sort of a successful musician, I guess, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for Ish. sure. Boomtown Rats were, yeah. I mean, he's a legit musician. Yeah. In a hell of a good interview. Have you ever listened to Bob Geldof get interviewed? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's great. He's yeah. so honest and he's very yeah. honest. Cheeky. And, yeah. Well, of course he was a very, uh, he was a, you know, accomplished actor too. He was pink in, um, the oh, wall. If you want to call that acting. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> very busy actor. Yeah. Right. You know, it was an interesting time. This was the mid eighties and like philanthropy became very hip. It, it did. It became kind of like a cool, you know, it was kind of like everything was big in the mid eighties. It's like, how big can we do this? And, you know, philanthropy and fundraising and, and arena spectaculars. And in this case, studio spectaculars and all this just became kind of a thing to do. And it's, and it spawned down maybe the greatest, um, and, you know, friend of the show Lobo. We can't, we cannot let this episode go without mentioning here in aid. You know? Great friend of the show, by the way, Lobo. Uh, stars, which was the, 
<laughs> which was the uh, heavy metal answer to so so you know the band aid did it and then uh usa for africa did it which was all the pop stars right and then all the metal guys were like well shoot we, we you know we gotta we gotta make sure everyone knows that we like to raise money for starving kids too so they so they maybe the with- worst name of any project ever hearing aid <laughs> <laughs> hearing aid Ronnie James Dio with stars. <laughs> yeah, here, let's give you a, a, a taste of it. I mean, it's. great because like they did the whole setup like we are the you know the chorus setup where they had all everybody sort of standing in rows and all that and and it's like ted nugent's in there and like the guy from like wasp you know and like dan dockin and and uh, spinal tap just out of nowhere their spinal tap in character i mean it, it's just and this weird. song is all it is is like Rainbow in the dark down a half step. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's the exact same song. And I love too, they're, they're doing the whole, cause you know, the, the, the video of all them singing is great. They're all got the one year covered, you know, yeah, 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 that's right. That was like the cool move was do yes. the one, the one yes. headphone on the ear. Right. That was, it's sort of like an eighties move, I guess. So you could like hear the, the, the room, but also hear what's in your headphone. I don't know, but hear an aid. I mean, uh, great, great, great. What's in my bag, by the way, from uh, Twiggy, Jordy White, yeah, Jordy White, yeah, the the guitarist for Nine Inch Nails. Um, he he did a What's in My Bag for Amoeba Records, and he uh, pulled out Here and Aid, and he's like, uh, it's um awful but amazing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect description. Yeah, yeah. So and and then you know, part of of course, you know the this trend of philanthropy and being over the top and all this of course has to get parodied, which you saw a lot of that stemming from we are the world and and a couple of my favorite, favorite things. Um, the aforementioned SNL, do you remember let the chickens be? Hell yes, I do. That was so fun. Yeah. Let the chickens be (laughs) with, uh, Chris yes. Farley was uh, was Carrie Wilson and yes. uh, <laughs> you know Carney Wilson. Oh, and, and Wilson. Uh, Carney Wilson and great um, Michael Bolton was singing on "Let the Chickens Be." Yes, know, I think he was the musical host that day or something. But yeah, he was a good really, sport. He was yeah. really funny, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, David Spade was Tom Petty with the big hat on and everything. I mean, it's great. It was really funny. the The best one. And this is one that really takes us back. Nub was it had to be Kevin Meany, who who was a stand up in the eighties and kind of a goofy, you know, kind of chubby guy. Um, great stand up, really funny guy. But he created a routine out of "We Are the World." We he essentially did the whole song, and he was doing physical impressions of each singer as they took their turn and. It was really brilliant. I mean, really, really funny and brilliant. He, I remember he did it on the Tonight Show and just killed, clobbered, and 
you know, but yeah, the Kevin Meany bit was, was fantastic. It was one of those reference points for you and I from being kids, right? We used to, we used to reference that a lot. We'd, we'd yeah. kind of imitate his imitations. And there's these pivotal moments when you're young, where you experience something, whether it be a movie or a skit or whatever. And I just remember that one being big for us because of the physical comedy, yeah. the parody aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we thought I, I remember really that funny. one. Yeah, we did. We did yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, and of course they, they tried to run this into the ground like they did most everything. And they, they, they did, we are the world Two, which was, which was like a remake. I forget what year it was. It had to be like 15 years ago, maybe. And, um, and, and it was terrible. I mean, it was kind of a remake the, oh, I'll tell you what, the only good part of it is Celine Dion does the middle section. It's really amazing. But but other than that, it's just crap. Like there's like auto tune and rapping and it's just terrible. Uh, we are the world too. So not as successful, not as successful later effort. But uh, and then actually SNL did another good bit where they did. We are the world three, which was a song to raise awareness of the disaster of we are the world two. So, you know, oh, that, that's funny. OK, yeah. that's good. So those yeah. guys put, they found plenty of angles to sort of go at this. But listen, as much as um, you could parody this, it was an incredible success. Right. I mean, this was numerous honors, including three Grammys, uh, one American Music Award and a People's Choice Award for this song. The, the video and, and we'll, we'll get to some of the elements of that. But the video was um, legendary. Right. And getting all these people together and visually it was, you know, pretty spectacular and all that. There was a VHS, uh, a special edition. We are the world magazine. Uh, there was a simulcast of a performance, you know, books, posters, shirts. I mean, it, it raised more than sixty three million dollars at the time, which which right now is about it would be about triple that, you know, for this humanitarian aid in Africa, et cetera. So, I mean, it, you know, big deal in terms of the success and the impact and it's a pretty timeless you know song and project to this day lionel richie was suggesting during covid that they do a a third version to 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 sort of communicate a a message of uh solidarity around the pandemic you know and uh but that never got off the ground thank god because that just would have been bad in many ways i think but but you know at this time you know, Lionel was, was just hotter than a pistol. I mean, this guy was racking up the awards. Can't slow down had come out. You know, he was hosting, as we mentioned before, the American music awards that preceded the session. I mean, the guy was just on fire and this was like just before Michael Jackson exploded. I mean, he was like, this was, this was like days before he exploded. In fact, he was, he was on tour still with the Jacksons at this time. I don't know if you remember that, but he, Right before, almost as Thriller was coming out, he was still touring with his brothers, and he would actually do his solo songs on stage with his brothers. But well, they did that Victory album, Victory. right? Yep, yep. With Torture, was, which is actually one of my favorite Michael Jackson related songs. You know? Oh yeah, Torture, Torture's right. great. Yeah, hundred percent. This was catching him basically on the brink of just being the the biggest star in the world. There were a lot of really interesting things from the session, but the uh, one of the most interesting things, Nub, is there were two, at least in my and many others' view, just glaring omissions from the group. So who would you say 1985 
is not a part of this and you're like, wow, like how did they not join the party here? Can you think of the two that come to mind? Um, geez. Madonna. Yes. I don't know the circumstances. I'm assuming it was just because it was Madonna being controversial, but she'd be one. Uh, and and I, one that I would guess, and I just don't remember if he's on it. Was Huey Lewis on it? Well, Huey was. He was part okay. of the. Okay. He was part of the middle eight group. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. You can actually hear him in there. That's right. Uh, let's see who else. George Michael. He was on Band Aid. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Where's were all Americans on We Are the World? Yes. Like for the most part. Yeah, because so. I'm I'm assuming all the the European musicians were on. Uh, right. Do they know it's Christmas? Man, okay. Uh, There's one that it's kind of like, wow, how is he not on there? But then you're like, oh, of course he didn't do this. Like, one of those is it days. like a hard rock guy? It's not know. like Ozzy, is it? No. Was Ozzy, was Ozzy on Hearing Aid? He would have been part of Hearing Aid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So you've already kind of given away it's a he. Right. Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder was totally on this. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to take one more crack. Stevie so, Wonder had a big part on this. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Okay. Shoot the J. Shoot it. Oh, Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, Prince wasn't on this. Now, he... um. They had a part set out for him, sort of unclear why he didn't do it. But I think the bottom line is he just thought it was kind of stupid. You know, I <laughs> think it was just kind of like, you know, there was a a, a, a suggestion out there that uh, he and Bob Geldof didn't get along, that Bob Geldof had called Prince a creep in the, in the press. <laughs> you know, so Prince none of like, that would be surprising. Yeah, yeah. And Prince would not be the hundredth person in the musical world not yeah. to get along with Bob Geldof. But Prince did did donate uh, a song to the We Are the World, you know, compilation album that came out. So I guess he he probably had some guilt, you know, for not supporting the children and decided to at least give them a song. But yeah, yeah, Prince and Madonna kind of the two really noticeable disclusions. Now there are some inclusions that are pretty interesting too, but and we'll get to that. You know, the, the, um, this, this had to stay airtight, you know? And so there was a, a really interesting process and, and Quincy Jones led most of the logistics in terms of getting the, the, the backbone of the song to the performers in advance. Cause they couldn't just come in completely blind. Otherwise they wouldn't have been able to complete this in eight hours the way they did. So he sent out, uh, it was actually uh, these cassettes with the backtrack on it and, and it had a note and it said, the cassettes are numbered and I can't express how important it is not to let this material out of your hands. Please do not make copies and return this cassette the night of the 28th. In the years to come, when your children ask, what did mommy and daddy do for the war against world famine? You can proudly say, this was your contribution. And that was the that was the note that accompanied the the cassette with the, uh, the sort of rehearsal track on it. So there you go. There was another star of the time that wasn't on this, and it kind of relates to the Prince thing. And that's Eddie Murphy. And uh, Eddie Murphy did not do "We Are the World" because he was actually in the recording session for "Party All the Time." Believe it or not, um, which I think is maybe a more important song than this one, frankly. But is there any better metaphor for the '80s? <laughs> and that, 
at almost precisely the same time of we are the world being recorded in this yeah. big showy like deal. Eddie Murphy's in a studio singing my girl wants to party all the time. Yeah. 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 It's uh, I guess Eddie Murphy felt really bad afterwards. He's like, Oh, I probably should have come over and done that instead. Have we yeah. never not karaoke party all the time by Eddie Murphy. Tough Is it just because it's so hard to sing? Tough song to sing. You know, um, girl, I can't understand it. Why you want to hurt me after all of the things I've done for you. I don't know. Maybe we could pull it off. I don't know. Here are the here are the performers. Okay, we'll just do a quick lap. You got Quincy Jones, the conductor. Was it really necessary for him to conduct? Is that was that was that needed? Was that just to be on camera? I don't know. Where he's conducting the chorus, just to be on camera. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. I've never done this before. So, in order: Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon. Who this was just before Graceland. The guy, the guy was actually like his career was like not in a good place, but there he was. Kenny Rogers. Now let me tell you something about Kenny Rogers. When they walked into the studio, they all got a gift bag with USA for Africa sweatshirts included, and uh, Kenny Rogers just put the sweatshirt on. So if you know, if you notice in the video, he, everyone's kind of in their like outfits from the award show. Uh, except for Kenny Rogers, he just put these like, Oh, this is nice. I'll just put this. It's like, it's kind of like, you're, you know, if, if you get your uncle a sweater for Christmas and he takes it out, and just, I'm just going to put and he just puts it on and he wears it the rest <laughs> of the day, like with the tag still on it. You know, it's like people go to concerts and buy the shirt and then put it on and then put the it show. on. Yeah. I think Diana Ross also put on the sweatshirt, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Kind of funny. Right. It's like, Kenny's like, I thought I was supposed to put this thing on. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, James Ingram, who goes just bad during this song. Amazing, amazing contribution. Uh, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, who arrived with Christy Brinkley. He pulls up in a limo. It's great in the documentary. He gets out and kisses Christy Brinkley. It's funny. Uh, MJ, Diana Ross, uh, Dionne Warwick, who did another charity single that year, right? That's what friends are for. What friends are for was also a charity single. So there you go. One of my favorite karaoke songs. Yes. Now that one you have mastered. I will give well, you. Well, I what I like at the end is when Elton just starts going ape shit. You know, just I keep shouting, <laughs> yeah. keep smiling. You know, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there, there's a lot of that in these tunes where just, yes. you, you got somebody who just goes off the handle, you know. Exactly. Willie Nelson. Now he's great. He's got probably the weirdest oh, lyric. Yeah, that he's weirdly like, timed verse. A, he says like, "And God showed us by turning stone to bread." Like he's got this <laughs> really weird line, <laughs> but it's great. He was apparently he was drinking Budweiser the entire session with Waylon Jennings, who we'll get to, and Ray Charles. I guess Ray Charles was like an animal, like just always drunk and always like banging women and have you just, seen the movie ray i haven't no oh. is it oh yeah okay was it guys I, in well now, now i want to see it uh huey lewis also had a beer but um you know willie was stoned to the bejesus belt well it was funny it so, too. Afterwards, so afterwards they were kind of getting set you know they were like talking to the you know the artists you know getting some of their thoughts and they were all like saying all these wonderful things about humanitarian aid and all that blah blah and willie nelson goes uh he goes well, i don't do a good willie or anything but he's like well the project's great but 
wouldn't it be nice if we did something for our own country? <laughs> so like already already the the nationalism debate you know but uh, then he did right he went and did farm aid he did farm aid of yeah. course yeah. so yeah. good for willie yeah. absolutely yeah so but you know that's funny i mean just hilarious al Jarreau, who i maybe couldn't pick out of a lineup but he was on you don't now. like al Jarreau boogie down do you know that song you can boof do, 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 just to get my boogie down. You don't know. It's- I wish y'all could see Nubs, not just his vocal performance, but the little shimmy he's doing. doing yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, Bruce Springsteen. We'll get to him. He, 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 he has a big part in this one. Uh, Kenny Loggins, uh, Steve Perry. Now, Steve Perry, when you watch the documentary, it's cool because it's pretty raw. Like you get the performances. They, there are multiple takes. It's not like they nail it the first time. These guys are, they're sort of working it out as they go along, you know, and everybody sort of has to like try different things and piece through it. And like, at some points they're a little flat or they're a little short, whatever, dude, Steve Perry, like one take nails it. And then just sits there the rest of the time watching everybody else stumble on themselves. I mean, it's clear how, how, much better of just a pure vocal talent he is than basically everyone else in the room. I mean, it's just astounding. And he didn't say much during the session. He seems like kind of bored, but the one person he said, okay, now that's a voice. Like he was visibly impressed was Cindy Lauper. Steve Perry is just enamored with Steve with Cindy Lauper's voice. And it's very true because she, I mean, she went on to be a Broadway singer. I mean, she's, yeah, she's kind of a wonder. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, legit. She and and you can, it's very interesting that Steve Perry really notices that during the sessions. Uh, Daryl Hall, uh, Huey Lewis. So, so Huey Lewis had the, had the line that, that Prince was supposed to have, but then, you know, Prince said no thanks and Huey stepped in. Speaking of just incredible vocalist, Daryl Hall. I mean, that's, that's a guy that's really underrated. I'm actually surprised that Steve Perry wasn't impressed with him because, Daryl Hall is like a singer's singer. So here's what I picked up on. It's it's interesting you, that you stopped there because I was going to say this and then I was like, ah, why? <laughs> Daryl Hall actually give like has a really hard time. Now, I don't know if the line is sort of not in his range or whatever, but I think Daryl Hall is incredible within a box, right? If he's in that, I don't think he has very wide range, but if he's in that zone, he's obviously has a very unique, outstanding, soulful voice, but I don't think he would blow you away with his, um, his range or his ability to sort of have a, um, kind of diverse offering. It's kind of like one move, one yeah. box. You, you know, know you're I mean? right. Cause on li- live at Daryl's house, which I, I love watching that there's, um, uh, they have to work the songs into his voice for sure. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. usually key wise, you know, they're really dropping the keys of things. Yeah. That's, yes. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's terribly wide. Um, Okay, Cindy Lauper and then Kim Carnes, who um <laughs> you know, you had like Smokey Robinson was in the chorus, Bet Midler was in the chorus, but Kim Carnes got the I mean it's the it's the shortest line in the entire song. But uh but Ken Cragen was her manager and he was like one of the masterminds behind this project. So there you go. That's why that's why Kim Carnes uh, gets a solo, but it was very quick. Uh, Bob Dylan, we'll get to that. Uh, Ray Charles. And those are the soloists. So 
here's the chorus. Now, this is where it gets pretty good. Dan Aykroyd. You notice him. He's he's wearing glasses. He's in the chorus. It's like, what? But yeah. Blues Brothers was right. Right. A thing, yeah. you know, they, they had like a top selling album. So there you go. But I, I guess he, he has a story. He ended up there by mistake. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But anyway, Dan Eckert's there. Uh, Harry Belafonte, uh, Lindsay Buckingham is in the chorus. So kind of surprising. I have another one. It's like, maybe Lindsay should have gotten a solo. I don't know. Um, the whole news is there. As in Huey Lewis. <laughs> I love the news. They're all there. Yeah. All of them. They all made it into the room. That's how big sports was. I mean, the yeah. news. Yeah. So, you know, anyone, you, you watch the video and you're like, who's that? It's probably someone in the news, right? Uh, Sheila E. Bob Geldof, who, so, <laughs> so at the beginning, and you see in the documentary, Bob Geldof gives a speech to the performer, to the artist. And they're all kind of buzzing from the award show and they're all kind of like talking to each other and hanging out and they're like getting autographs. It's cute. They're like getting each other's autographs and stuff. It's a whole thing. Well, I don't know. Quincy Jones or whoever brings in Bob Geldof to sort of like give some inspiration and he gives the most depressing speech like you've ever seen in your life. Like I would have probably just, I would have probably just left, you know? In fact, Waylon Jennings was supposed to be a part of this. He was there in the studio and he took off. He's like, this is stupid. I'm, a, I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? I never heard yeah, that. Yeah, That's which funny. is great. But 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 they show this speech and Bob Gilzo was talking about the, the kids and how like we all suck and we're not doing enough. And we just, I mean, it's, it's just great. It's just, you know, and and the they keep panning over to the artists and they're all like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, just, guys. Buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> very, very funny. Okay. Uh Jackie, Latoya, Marlon, Randy, and Tito Jackson are all there. All of them. So I don't know. Latoya's amazing. She's there. Can she sing? She like a singer? No. No. Yeah, I don't think so. She was famous for other things. Uh Waylon, yeah. Penthouse magazine, right? Waylon Jennings, uh aforementioned he he was there, and then he's like, This is dumb, I'm out, and he just left. Yeah, he had a couple of beers with Willie Nelson and then just left. Uh, Bette Midler did not get a solo, which kind of funny because she's awful. Uh, John Oates. John Oates is there. <laughs> John Oates made the, the chorus. Very funny to watch him sing. Very yeah. funny. You know, I, I don't even know if he, I ever saw his teeth, you know, but he's, he, you know, he's, he's singing. It's very, it's great. Uh, Jeffrey Osborne on the Wings of Love. Speaking of karaoke favorites. Uh, all three of the Pointer sisters are there. So, you know, like you see like the three gals and you're like, who are they? It's like, oh, those that's that's Anita, June and Ruth. And I, this is like the first time ever. They're not singing about, you know, the big, strong men, you know, or, you know, want to be want to be held and caressed by a big, greasy muscle man or something right like they're they're actually singing about something other than that which is i'll tell you what i would have wanted to do afterwards is go to the pointer sisters uh, after party yeah, that's where right. i would have wanted to be well you know especially after all that humanitarian stuff they had to they had to get out the you know oh they were all worked up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah yeah those, yeah. those gals are nuts they could uh, they could show you a thing or two 
Oh, you know, you know, those ladies. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yep. Um, couple other things, and then we'll get to the uh, the needle drop. But there's so many nerdy deets with this one, man. It's like it's almost like hard to take your pick. There was at one point. This was actually what really pissed Waylon Jennings off. Was uh, it, you know, there, there's a there's a call and answer in the song where the the chorus sings "Our World" and then they sing "Our Children." Right. Originally, this was Michael Jackson wanted to sing a line in Swahili. So instead of saying our world, he wanted them to go Shalom. And instead of saying our children, he wanted them to go Shalinge. And Waylon Jennings like, this. Like not doing that. Not doing that. And, and he left, he left the studio, which is funny. He, he may have come back in for the, for the on camera part, but that, that really pushed Waylon over the edge, you know? So actually they debate this and some of the artists liked it and some of them didn't. So they came up with, with uh, the, our world, our children, or is it one world, our children, I don't know, whatever it is. They, that's what they, that's what they went with. So, you know, the, the, the single here de- debuted at number 21 and then moved to number five, then number two, and then to number one eventually. So, I mean, it, it, it probably would have reached the, the top of the chart sooner, but there was a Phil Collins song at the time that was just dominating the uh, number one position. You want to take a guess at what that was? Against all odds. Nope. You're in the right ballpark though. Um, you got to think a little more top 40 Phil here. This is 85. Yeah. So it's probably off. No jacket required. So studio. No, no, you gotta, you gotta go more. This, this was on pop and rock in 1985 and, and easy listening. Stadium. Oh, was it one of the covers? Nope. So one more night, one more night. Yep. Yeah. It was one more night. Yeah. Yep. So, so in, you know, that was obviously a song that was, that was enormous crossover song in terms of easy listening radio, pop radio, rock radio. Right. So we are the world eventually overtook that, but it took some time to sort of crack the nut there on, on Phil Collins one more night. As I mentioned, it, it, watch the documentary. It's really, it's really cool to watch them work because there are the leaders here and, and Lionel Richie really is the, He's sort of the alpha in the room that is keeping the project moving, keeping everybody on task, helping them with some of their uh, improvisation and things like that. It's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. They broke into a uh, impromptu uh, singing of Deo because Harry Belafonte was there. He was in the top row and somebody just started to go and day, he say day, he say day. And then next thing you know, they all sing Deo for like five minutes and, you know, a little tribute, I guess, to Harry Belafonte, who was in the room. Uh, watching Bob Dylan work through his part is just absolutely hilarious. So make sure if you, you know, it's it, the documentary is like an hour long, but you got to see the Bob Dylan part. He just has no idea why he's there. Doesn't really want to be there yet. He's a very kind guy and he's very humbled to be around all these other famous people. You can tell. And he wants to do a good job. And you can tell that he and Quincy Jones were buddies. They, they definitely had some sort of a, a relationship. So, um, but, but it's, but it's pretty funny. I mean, his, his part in the song's funny and, and watching him kind of work through it and wrap it and all that is, is great. And then the, the last thing I'll mention here is um, Ray Charles. So Ray Charles did not actually like sing the song. And again, this just going back to just him being just a wild man, just genius, whatever. He basically came into the studio after everybody else was done and just had them play the track. And he just like 
improvised. He just went all and did all did his thing. And they cut it up and and sort of cut, you know, cut it up and pasted it into proper moments of the song. But you can actually hear it. Um, his parts are not really on time and they're sort of scattered, but they're pieced together perfectly. And then part of that reason was Ray Charles came in and said, roll the tape. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to leave, you know, and that's why in the uh, video, he's all by himself. You know, he's not, you know, I don't think you ever see him with the other group because he basically came in, sort of did his like improvisation move on in the microphone and then he left and then it was left to the producers to figure out how to weave it in and they did a really good job. So Nubs, any other nerdy deets you can think of on this one? I, you know, I, I would be interested in just the figures of the sales. You know, earlier you mentioned that it ranked in the top 10. You know, I think it's a, it's such a different world right now in terms of the the scale, right? In terms of sales, because we're we're way and well out of the era where people would go and and buy physical product to the point where the the sales would be that huge. But right. I think it'd be good to give everybody kind of a perspective for a perspective for just how massive this was. So so let's do this. Um, the top selling singles. Now, a lot of them are really old, you know, and stuff that we've never heard of before. But let me give you an idea of kind of where this ranks. The top selling, you know what the top selling single of all time is at 50 million copies now? I'll give you, how about this? I'll is give it you the, the candle I'll, in the wind? I'll give you the Diana? year. Let's see. Let's go through these. Okay, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the the year and we'll see how you do. Okay. okay. 50 million copies, the top selling single of all time was in 1942. Jeez. I don't know that one. It's White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Top selling single of all time. And it's not close. Yeah. Like the next one down is 33 million. And it was okay. in 1997. You are that's ca- Candle in the Wind. Correct. So that's second. That's the Princess Diana Candle in the Wind tune uh, that Elton John did. Uh, number three, you're not going to get it. It was in 1970. It's it's called In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry. Yeah. Okay. In the summer, yeah, that, that was a popular song. I'm okay. amazed it sold that many. Jeez. 30 million. Uh, uh, the next one is at 25 million. It was in 1954. You want to take a crack at that one? It's probably Elvis. A little early for Elvis. Oh, no. Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley. There you go. Okay. The next one is 20 million, 1992. You know what was a giant song in 1992 that, that would like sell that many? Was like um, Mariah Carey, I'll Be There. You're in the right ballpark. This was uh, Frank Farmer. This was uh, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The okay. bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, the next one is, uh, it was a night, also 20 million. 1960 was Elvis doing It's Now or Never. I wouldn't have guessed that was his mm, top okay. single, but there you yeah. go. Uh, next is We Are the World. So it's eighth all time. Uh, after that, you got If I Didn't Care by The Ink Spots. That was 1939. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have gotten that one. Uh, yes, sir. I can boogie. I can boogie by Baccarat. I guess is that a disco song. Uh, there was another one in 1997, 18 million. You want to give that one a try? I'm going to say easily. It's, um, near, far, yep. wherever. Yeah. What That's is it? Right. Called? My, My heart, heart will go, go on. on. Yeah. From Titanic. I know that because I worked at a record store that summer. Ah, there you in go. Both Candle the Wind and. Uh, the Titanic song was every other customer. 
Yeah. It was oh, insane. I can't even imagine. The next one, I think you said Mariah Carey's 16 million in 1994, the Christmas song. All I want for Christmas is you. So I said, I'll be there, but yes, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Christmas music uh, sells like crazy. Yeah, amounts. It's yeah. insane. Uh, the next one is 15 million in 1991. Uh, it was a ba- it was a ballad. 15 million, 1991 ballad. Also in, also in a movie, I believe. Terrible song. Terrible song, but huge song in 1991. Yeah. From a movie. Yeah. I think it was from a movie. Female singer or dude? Dude. Everything I do, I do it for you. Brian oh, Adams. Yeah. Was that for, wasn't that from like Robin Hood? Prince of Thieves? Yeah. Well, yeah. All for Love was from Robin Hood, wasn't it? And we make it when there's something that you know sting start do let your feelings go and we do it one for and then the last one is uh 1978 15 million copies i'll save you the trouble it's uh from greece you're the one that i want probably my least favorite music ever yeah grease stuff yeah well what are you gonna do so yeah so that gives you an idea though how massive i mean this you know this was massive you know 20 million singles and eighth on the list all time is um nothing to shake a stick at buddy so no i it's kind of unique for us but i kind of feel like do you have any other wonder stories because i think we kind of covered at all right you know i think i I think i kind of ruined the wonder story section but do do you have anything or no 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 i I would end up repeating uh, anecdotes that we've already shared so yeah yeah. okay well let's i mean i'll I'll just play the song because you know it wouldn't be right if we did you know it just wouldn't be right if you didn't hear that but uh let's uh let's proceed let's plow through this tune and uh call it a day All right, so I think the move here is just to pick out a few highlights. You know, we'll we'll, we'll pick out a few highlights and and we'll go from there. Because you know, otherwise we could just listen to the whole song, but uh, that doesn't seem like a lot of fun. You know, but uh, why, why don't we uh, why don't we start out? And you know, obviously, you know, Nubs, if if there's anything you know you want to take a run at here, you know, we can, but. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it's it's tough to kind of pick. There's so many moments that are either amazing performances or just funny or whatever it may be. So I kind of picked out a few spots that we can highlight. But the first is this intro and this handoff, you know, that you get from uh, Lionel into Stevie Wonder into the other guys. It's it's pretty solid. So here we go. So there you get Stevie, you know, and then it goes into Paul Simon and Kenny Rogers with his sweatshirt on, you know, and then you get James Ingram, Tina Turner, and Billy Joel, you know, so starting, starting off pretty hot and, uh, and you got, you got some pretty good, pretty good handoffs going on there. Uh, one of the big ones here is where you get, uh, 
And this is actually pretty neat when you get MJ stepping in, just kind of clearing everything out, coming in over the top. And then he's he hands it to Diana Ross, which I think is kind of neat uh, back and forth there. So here's MJ. Pretty good. Pretty good. Those two together. That section right there sold at least 5 million just on its own. You know what I mean? Like just having Michael Jackson's voice be so identifiable. Yeah. And Diana was kind of, you know, she was resurging at this time too, right? Because 1980 or kind of the early eighties were good to her when she kind of turned into a disco artist. So she still had a pretty relevant voice too at the time. Yeah, for sure. Now we we touched on this earlier, and I gotta play it because it's Willie Nelson's part. It's just, it's just so just weird and great. Listen to the lyrics here. So they know that someone cares, and their lives will be stronger and free. Comes in for the harmony. Yeah. As God has shown us turning stone to bread, and so we all. <laughs> And then right into Al Jarrell. You know, it's, it's, it's such a weird, what a weird handoff. You know, you got Dionne Warwick, who's just a pro at this charity song thing, you know. And uh, how great is Willie? He just comes in with a ring, strong, free, you know, just, just chipping in on the harmony and then taking over. So <laughs> totally, good. yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Bruce Springsteen for a second. So this is his first entry. Now, he has a very important role in this because he comes back again at the end. And it's just going bonkers. So he, um, it's funny. Apparently, everybody rolled in in a limo from the award show, except for Bruce Springsteen. He drove his own truck to the session, and he couldn't find a parking spot. So he found he parked at a party store like two blocks away and just walked over, like in his like leather jacket and whatever. So, you know, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. But Quincy Jones said though that he was. As far as just being like a hard, it's not terribly surprising, but just being like a hard worker in the studio, just getting after it, giving it his all. Like Quincy said that he was really impressed with Bruce Springsteen. It was like that guy came in and, you know, did not phone it in. He was like getting after it. And you can hear it here in his section. Yeah, it's good to hear. And, and you know, and we did the full deep dive into Springsteen on the rising episode. You know, yeah, I don't love the ticket prices now. And, I, you know, it's, there's a little bit of the everyman thing that's feeling a little phony nowadays, but well, there was a good chunk of his career where he was just grinding and and kind of being the guy that he had the image to be. And that's good to hear. I'm glad, glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, here's his first part. But you hear like, Bruce just all rough and gruff, you know, and then you got Kenny Log. He's like, we are the one above it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but the boss really, really leans in on this deal and we hear from him again later. So then you get into the Kenny Log and Steve Perry, you know, Daryl Hall thing. Now the bridge of this song, as the case with most of these anthemic kind of songs in the eighties that were heavily produced and and really kind of thought through. I mean, these these middle eights and these middle sections are really important. So 
I think it's the, the probably the best part of the song. And you've got Michael Jackson that sort of takes it back over. And then the, they, they were calling themselves the middle group, you know, and they were having a good time with this. It took them a while to work it out, but you got Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper and Kim Carnes. Most people thought it was Daryl Hannah in the video. It's, it's actually Kim Carnes. who has a very brief line, but this middle, I think really makes the tune. Let's give it a spin. I mean, it's really good. It's it's that's really legit good, you know, and I guess it took Cindy Lauper forever to to sort of figure out how she wanted to come in, landed on the wow, 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 you know, but um, I think they just nail it there. And uh, the the only problem they were having is earlier in the session, Cindy Lauper had all these all this jewelry on and it was clanking and clinging and it was interfering with the recording. So they made her take all of her jewelry off. But uh, once they got that sorted out, they really, I think they nailed that middle part. It's pretty cool. I find it very 80s and very Cindy Lauper-ish that her jewelry became yeah. part of the issue. That's that's a, yeah, exactly. It, it is great that all these little uh, stories from these sessions, you know, you put all these kind of wackos together for, <laughs> you know, a few hours and you get all this stuff out of it. It kind of goes to show you, you know, the... Uh, I don't know the complexity of artists. Sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, and they're all in the best. The great thing is they're all in their best behavior. Cause there's cameras all over the place. <laughs> right, exactly. so you can't even imagine. All right. Now this is where, this is where it just gets real, just gets crazy. Just gets weird. So we're in the big chorus here. And, uh, and this is where we start to get to some of the crazy stuff. Now here's Bob Dylan. This is amazing. gotta watch it because he you know he he's a sweet guy you can tell and he's trying to do a good job but like it's just so funny it's just it means a chance for me get you know I mean, it's just great it's so like out of place but great you know like I mean, pops never, to quincy for for even thinking about you know like that's pretty neat actually that he's like figured out a way for bob dylan to work his way in there you know it, it really is it really is but you know and and you know we'll have to talk about dylan sometime that'd be a good uh, thing for us to get into, but never before in music history has like one artist made such a career off of one move, which is, and you actually had a pretty good deal in there. You know, like I, it's like all he can do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some versatility in the singers in this for sure. Not with him. Like, you know, and as we've talked about a ton on this, we're not lyric guys. I think, I think that was a big part of his thing too, was like the, the lyrical message and all that stuff that you and I typically don't care about, but, uh, but yeah, he didn't have a lot of moves vocally or musically, but uh, pretty cool that he became a part of this. All right. This is the part we mentioned earlier about Ray Charles. Now this is all improvisation and him just screwing around and they sort of found a place for it on the track here.
like you can kind of hear it. He's not really on, you know, and the reason for that is he was just, he was just doing his thing. And then they just sort of placed it in there when, however they felt like they could, you know, but, but this is great too. This is when, uh, this is when Stevie wonder, and this is where spring scene really goes bonkers. Here we go. I mean, the boss is just losing it at this point, you know, and, he's all uh, like red faced and pissed off. Right. Yeah, like, and and video. I guess the other thing Quincy Jones said is that uh, Springsteen had played a four hour concert the night before in Syracuse at the Carrier Dome. And Quincy Jones was just amazed that this guy was still like not only upright, but like never seemed to run out of energy, you know, and pretty, it is pretty amazing if you think about it, that he played a four hour freaking cause this was back when he was playing those like really long shows, you know, and, and listen, he's really good on this. I mean, his vocals really fantastic. They gave him a great part. You know, he's, he appears multiple times throughout the song and I don't, I don't know if he ever had a better vocal than this, even in any of his own work, you know, but he's, but in the spirit of hold my beer, okay, uh, Bruce Springsteen's, you know, going nuts and doing his thing. And James Ingram here towards the end just says, hold my beer, boss. wow powerful wow brawny you know and that kind of takes you to the end there's this great there's this great visual in the video um towards the end of the song where lionel richie kind of gives quincy like a thumbs up you know it's kind of like we nailed it like that was must have been after a good take or something and it's pretty neat it's actually a pretty awesome moment i think in the video when uh lionel's kind of signaling to quincy like all right i think we got it you know it's good stuff good stuff so Hey, you know, there's a little bit of comedy to this thing. There's a, there's a lot of parody. There's a lot of, it signaled a lot about the interesting time period it was in, but all in all, no bottom line is, you know, it's a classic and, uh, Hey, you know, let's do a final cut on this. What do you think, buddy? We are the world. Is it, is it on the turntable? Is it, uh, in the collection? Is it collecting dust or, or are you taking it to the for sale bin? What is it? Come on. <laughs> well, look. One song. Come I'm on. Just a heartless bastard. If I say that you got to sell it or, you know, not buy it. I mean, come on. It's for the children, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's Jeez. right. Yeah. In the collection, I'd say, you know, in all seriousness, it, it is a pretty solid composition. Sure. You know, it's, it's a composition of its time. It, it reflects the voice of the artist that composed it. And, you know, it's catchy and it's a very important song. So, Look, everybody should have the the 45 of this thing somewhere. Came in a great picture sleeve. The picture sleeve, I think, looked just like the sweatshirt. Thing. And don't forget about that B-side, too. Grace. The song That's Grace. right. Grace. Yeah, yeah, Grace. Quincy Jones. Have you ever heard Grace? No. Yeah, I haven't. Even, I Never turned the 45 over. I don't think I, I don't think anyone else. But uh, yeah, man, let's just, let's just call it that uh, in the collection because you need to support the children. You know, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. That's important. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were also, you know, there were good musicians uh, on this song. You had, uh, you had David Pace from Toto. I mean, 
Come on. Uh, Greg filling gains. He was also in Toto. I think all these guys were probably in, in Toto at one point. But John Robinson playing the drums. Yeah, you had uh, all of Toto is the back of band. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you definitely, uh, you know, you definitely had some good musicians. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I think you got to, uh, you got to go in the collection at least. I mean, geez, this, this thing's an anthem. This was an anthem, you know, but, but if you think about it, I mean, you know, raised $63 million at the time, you know, the, the eighth best-selling single worldwide of all time and just kicked the shit out of Band-Aid. I mean, this was, you know, I think they set out to do something comparable and they ended up just absolutely blowing it away. Um, nothing against Band-Aid. They were for a good cause too. Right, buddy. But, uh, you know, Hey, what can you say? Kind of the ultimate super group fundraising philanthropic humanitarianism it's like all wrapped up into one Amazing. and willie nelson and waylon jennings got smashed during yeah, the so yeah, that's, right. yeah exactly. it's everything baby yeah, yeah it, it kind of had it all didn't it all right well why don't we close it out with a little bit of in your head come on dolores in your head, in your head. nubs back to singles now we can do singles yet again what do you got what's been in your head my first one is uh an obvious choice and that is um we are the world <laughs> right yeah. we are the world yeah i'll tell you what this this song does get get in your bones a little bit you know when you do your research and you have to listen to it about 20 <laughs> times yeah it's it's a tough one to get rid of exactly sure. exactly yeah. a couple other tough ones to get rid of so uh the song tin soldier by winger is off the better days coming wow. album this is sort of the most progressive song on that record and one that i like very very much so tin soldier by winger Next would be, um, you know, I, li- I know you really like that Barry Manilow album, the yellow album, you know, the, the pop one. But oh, he- I saw him. Did I, did I, I don't think I've talked about it on here yet. We went and saw Barry in Vegas. Right. Amazing. You went. Yeah. Just you know, it was great. Oh yeah. yeah. You, you got, you got to go. Cause I, I mean, he sounds great. He looks great, but he's also 80 and I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to do it. You, you got to go see it. It's, it's really pretty long on the tooth there. And his yeah. band, of course, his band is just so good. So yeah. Yeah. He always had a gift for finding great musicians. Definitely. But um, what about a little pop, more poppy territory for Barry? Uh, Break down the door off oh. of uh, if I should love again. Yeah, sure. Love that song. If I should love again is a great album. It is very good. Yeah, for sure. That's the one with the white cover and the painting. Of white him. cover. Yeah. The very, oh, um, that's a, that's a phenomenal, the album. very feminine picture of Barry. That's uh, got uh let's hang on. And it's got yes. um, somewhere down the road. Break down the door. I mean, come break on. down the door, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, a uh, little oasis for you. You know, I get our, our top 25 worst bands of all time episode got me feeling very good about Oasis because of all the grief they tend to take from critics. And so the Hindu times, one of my favorite Oasis songs. So T, what is in your head? Well, in the spirit of today's episode, Nub, I'm going to go with a, we are the world artist for each song. How about that? What do you think of that? Let's start with Bruce Springsteen, who we just gushed about a little bit and uh brilliant disguise off the tunnel of love, which really is a good record let's be honest so uh you know we'll start off on that one with the boss uh and then let's go daryl hall we talked about him a little bit with dream time one of his solo tracks which uh quite good and uh and then let's round it out with tina turner um doing a little we don't need another hero how about that from the mad max soundtrack that's a great song that was much better than the movie that's for damn sure 
often the case back in this time, wasn't it? Often the case. Hey, buddy, uh, thank you for humoring what was a little bit uh, of a divergence from the usual the usual formula here for episode 80. But uh, that was a fun one to talk through, man. Super fun. Love the choice, man. Well done. Well done. All right. Well, hey, we'll be back with an actual album, like a real actual album, uh, which Nubs is going to take you through. Should be a good one for episode 81. But for now, let's wrap episode 80 with 80 of them in the bag. Hey, what do you say we do 80 more? You know, why not? But we appreciate it. We appreciate your uh, interest in what us two doofuses have to say. And we will see you for the next one before too long uh, for episode 81. In the meantime, be good, be strong, and uh, don't be a jerk, I think is the main thing I'm trying to say, right? Good advice. And we, (laughs) that's good advice. And avoid the clap as well. And we will see you for the next episode here on Two Twins and an album. Take care now. Two Twins. Well, that's about it. That's all we have. I hope it wasn't too disappointing. We will see you on tour. Until then, take it easy.